the world is full of wonders. Magic is hidden in small moments. And monsters could be hiding just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Hello, adventurers. Welcome back to the Storyteller Squad. This episode is a narrative recap of our second season. If you prefer to listen to this portion of our Monster of the Week campaign, session by session, you should look for episode 30. Go east, young monster hunters! This recap can help you catch up a little faster, but will contain spoilers for everything up to episode 61. Go home, brave monster hunters! Also, if you haven't listened to season 1 or our recap of that season, you should probably check either of those out before continuing with this episode. Our production for Season 2 marked a big upgrade in terms of our audio quality, and while we continue to learn and improve our podcasting and voice acting abilities, I'm really proud of the story this season tells. So, whether you stick with this abridged version or decide to listen back through the full episodes, I hope you enjoyed joining our heroes for this, our road trip arc in the Autumn Falls campaign. But before we begin, let's check in with our heroes. I've got my snuggle buddy, Wendy, and my headphones. I'm ready for eight hours in the car, fleeing for our lives. Classic road trip. I'm Raven Eugenia. <laughs> she thinks it's only going to last eight hours. <laughs> 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 I'm enjoying this cup holder hot tub because I'm Damien Edgecrest. I spy with my little eye something rainbow. Is it our group? Yes. <sighs> I'm Felicity Starnbrook. <laughs> well, this is going to be one hell of a remote work schedule. I'm Hugo Rashad. Get in, losers. We're going... We're just going. I'm Lonnie Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery. <laughs> I don't need to sleep. My playlist game is strong. I'm the best co-pilot you could ask for. Anyone want snacks? Thanks, Mom. You definitely don't know that about me yet. What? Nothing. Anyway, I'm Aiden Brightwood. Let's have an adventure. We return to our story right where we left off. Our beloved heroes, Hugo, Whitaker, Raven, Damien, Felicity, and Aiden, setting out together from Autumn Falls. In the wake of the nationwide demon attacks, the hunters take to the open road in order to put distance between themselves and their mundane families should the demon lords send more of their dangerous demon spawn in search of Damien. The denizens of the place apart are not the only faction hoping to capture Damien and his new divine spark, however, as director Olivia Eastie's last orders to Whitaker were, capture and bring Edgecrest back to headquarters. Using the charade of pursuing their friend, Whitaker finds himself on the run from his own agency and responsible for the safety and well-being of his new friends, hoping they can figure out what to do about Damien before the world's newest demon lord can trigger an apocalypse. Right. First things first. If this is going to be a road trip arc, we're going to need snacks, a good playlist, and you all need to sort out where you're sleeping in this trailer. I don't sleep. 
I don't sleep. Felicity and I can take these two bunks on the opposite end from your room. I'll use the fold-out couch. Mm, Guys, I just had a really weird dream. It felt like a vision, but it also had memory flashes of past fights where my magic did something new or crazy. But other parts felt like, I don't know, maybe somebody else's memory? I was in this hut and this guy was trying to hit me with an axe and a bunch of angry people were firing arrows at me, but also it wasn't me. Like it wasn't my voice when I spoke or my hair and my powers were different. Like I set stuff on fire and summoned lightning and flew. Jesus Christ, that settles it. There's one more thing we're gonna need for this road trip mission to succeed. Let's stop and pet some dogs at a rescue shelter. I'm gonna get Felicity a dog. You, I don't know how else I expected this to go. And so the squad adopts Ruby, a quiet, shy dog who loves attention and being around her people. She's perfect. You humans and your pets. I'll never understand it. We're ghosty and Tom and Windy not enough already? No. Humans will always want more pets, Damien. It's just how we are. With their new canine friend, our hunters continued eastward. Prithi cooked up a way to help sell their cover story to the rest of the agency, figuring that if the hunters were out looking into other supernatural disturbances, they could help some folks while blaming any collateral or complications on trying to chase down Damien. To that end, it was time to put in some serious group training efforts. Getting folks to spar without holding back their magic too much seemed to relieve some of the tension that 10 hours in a car together would do to any group over several days. Even though the hunters left Autumn Falls to keep supernatural problems away from their families, Prithi's first case would send them to Glacier National Park in Montana, where Raven's brother is a park ranger. When the hunters arrived at the park, the chief of park services informed them that Lark Eugenia and his friend Jay had been missing for a couple of days after leaving for what should have been a simple survey of the park. They also reported trees mysteriously falling throughout the park, and Felicity's premonitions warned of a strange creature lurking in the woods. The hunters set off into the park in teams to begin a search effort. Whitaker and Hugo discover the creature behind the unusual levels of treefall, a massive cat creature covered in hard, bone-like plates. Who's that forest cryptid? It's the Splinter Cat! Wow, wow! Ah! Their natural armor allowed the Splinter Cat to ram into and knock over trees while hunting for food. In this instance, the tradition of take only photos, leave only footprints doesn't work out so well for us. Nice kitty. Good kitty. Meanwhile, Felicity chases a hunch through the woods and winds up face to face with a massive ancient forest dragon, Jarandrakir Nuatharis. Yeah, it's a mouthful. That's why I just call him Jay. Lurk, you're okay. And you're dating a dragon? Yeah, we've definitely got some catching up to do. I'm back. I saved Whitaker from the big cat monster thing. Raven, your brother is dating a magical immortal being? Yeah, I guess so. Huh. Neat. The hunters regroup with Lark and Jay to discuss the issue of the forest monster, but it turns out they've been tracking something else, also causing damage to the trees. Something called an agropelter. Felicity mentions that neither creature's description matched the being from the vision she had about the woods. Feeling a bit stumped. Ha! I see what you did there. Nice tree joke. (sighs) Feeling their ability to plan waning, the hunters settle down for another night of camping, 
Whitaker gets the tea on folk politics from Jay. Felicity summons Mira, who opens another doorway to the Havens, for the two of them to spend the night in. Remember, the Havens? Those pocket dimension fragments of paradise, which Aiden learns are a thing. She takes it about as well as you'd expect. I'm gonna stare into the middle distance with my headphones in for a while. Do you want some company? Sure. Thanks. And late that night, Hugo is visited by the third and final strange creature in the woods, the hide behind. Natalie, why does the script say hooray right here? The trifecta of fearsome critters is complete. Basically, the damage being done to the forest boils down to a misunderstanding between these three creatures. In the morning, the hunters and their new allies try to pacify the agro pelter and convince them that the hide behind is not the one damaging the forest. Agropelter is a bit obstinate, but agrees to give the hunters some time to try and catch the splinter cat to prove they are telling the truth. They set up a trap outside the monstrous big cat's nest and combat ensues. But the most dangerous part of the Battle of Glacier National Park turns out to not be any of the fearsome critters at all. It's me, I'm the problem. Raven summons the root powers of fire, the salamander spirit. What starts out as really helpful in a fight against tree-tossing cryptids quickly flares out of control, and Raven finds herself wrestling for control of herself against the salamander's desire to burn and blaze. As Raven becomes the heart of a potential firestorm, the other hunters let the three cryptids settle their differences amongst themselves and divert focus towards saving Raven from her own magic and stopping a forest fire from spreading out of control. They manage to save Raven, but the experience leaves a mark on a few people. But with peace at last returned to the park's forest, the hunters say goodbye to Lark and Jay and the other rangers. The next stop on the crew's journey eastward begins when we meet a young cryptozoologist and her family at a rest stop. Theo and Heather Springer, a brother-sister pair traveling with their niece, Allie, inform the group that they're about to photograph and document the Great Snipe Migration in Badlands National Park, South Dakota. Badlands? Is anybody else suspicious about that name? Is anyone else suspicious of our new friends? It'll be fine. Look how cute Allie and her pet hoop snake are. What cold-hearted guiding force of the universe would put those two in danger? Whoop! Ahem. Our hunters follow the Springers and do enjoy a bit of rest under the guise of wildlife documentation. The Snipes are fast little buggers, and at one point they carry Allie off to their nest. Turns out they're quite friendly though, and so the group let their guard down a bit. Heather and Hugo go off on a hike while all the girls stick with Allie and interact with the Snipes. I get hit by a mysterious laser, which turns me from eye in the sky to puddle in the muddle. What were you up to again, Whitaker? In my hour of need? I was helping Theo with, uh, with some, um, long exposure photography. Not the best time to lose their fearless leader to the throes of passion. The laser that paralyzed Damien showed up again, being fired from the crest of a massive pterosaur. It seemed to be hunting the snipes, but turned its attention on Felicity, Aiden, Allie, and Raven when they tried to drive it off. Who's, Who's that, that laser cryptid? It's the Van Meter monster! <laughs> Aiden, teleport us out of here like you always do! This is probably a bad time to mention it, but my powers have been acting strange lately. Aiden! Dinosaur laser! We gotta go! Okay, all right, here we go. So we end up free falling through the sky. We managed to avoid the Van Meter monster and get to the ground safely, but I never want to do something like that again. Agreed. Agreed. From where they landed, Raven and the others spot a large militaristic base camp and realize that the flying dinosaur is somehow part of a massive snipe poaching operation. 
The girls are about to rush back and tell the others when Allie sneaks away and towards the camp. Aiden doesn't want to risk another teleporting accident, so they try to get Allie back the old-fashioned way, but end up captured. Meanwhile, Hugo has been off with Heather Springer. The two of them seem to vibe once a few hiking challenges manage to break the ice between two otherwise quiet types. But when Heather gets a glimpse of his tattoos, the vibe is decimated. Revealing and activating her own tattoos, she turns on Hugo and seems ready to kill in order to protect her family from this group of whispered assassins. Clearly, Heather's experience being part of the Whispered was even worse than Hugo's, and he tries to explain that he has nothing to do with Heather's former chapter. The standoff is abruptly ended by the arrival of a panicked Cooper, the Hoop Snake. Whoop. Heather agrees to work with Hugo in order to rescue everyone else. Whew, the drama. I'll need a cigarette. Sorry, Whitaker. No time for cliche post-sex rituals. That's not what I was... Never mind. When Whitaker and Theo go back to look for the girls and find them missing, they also immediately set off to find them. When they discover the poachers' camp, they're spotted and overpowered by a pair of chupacabra, more beasts that the poachers seem to be using to hunt and capture the snipes. Monsieur Whitaker, I think King Octopus will be pleased to learn I have captured more than a few snipes in my net. The non-rouge, the demon-faced asshole in charge of this whole operation. And of course he'd be working for King Octopus. Natalie, what is with that guy and going after spirits like this? As Keeper, I can't actually tell you that, but in this particular case, he might just want some fancy chicken nuggies. My favorite enemy is back, I see. Guess it's time to dust off this old whispered assassin skills after all. Whew. Oh my god, I'm finally not stuck as a puddle. What did I miss? <sighs> Suit up, Damien. We're doing some magical black ops shit. Hell yeah! Hugo, Heather, and Damien along with some assistance from Dr. Kabe, infiltrate the poacher camp under cover of darkness to rescue their captured friends and family. When the time is right, the other hunters spring into action as well. Damien squares up with the Van Meter monster, driving it off with his life drain attacks. Raven manifests the honeybee armor again. Aiden got her teleporting under control just long enough to punch Lenon Rouge's ticket from the stratosphere. And Felicity crushes a lot of people. I didn't know what else to do. They were going to hurt everyone. Some of us were very upset with Lenon Rouge for threatening the people we care about. Is that why you dropped him from 10,000 feet? In short, our heroes put a stop to Lenon Rouge and his operations and reunite the Springer family with each other. Once the dust settles, they can properly deal with all the emotional trauma from that experience. Oh, we could just get drunk and sit around the campfire. I think I want to cut my hair. Raven, cut my hair. Okay, sure. Hey, Aiden, you know we all care about you, not just your powers, right? Yeah, sure. I know. Is anyone else a little dizzy? Aiden, are you drunk? I didn't think that was possible. Mmm, not the healthiest coping strategies, everyone. But... I guess we'll take what we can get. Everyone, hydrate. Okay. As our heroes set off once again, they pick up an odd hitchhiker named Ray, who claims they know Felicity. But Damien can sense that this amicable traveler doesn't possess the small bit of spark energy that all humans should. Something else is in its place instead. There isn't much time to figure out what to do with their new friend, as the truck is attacked from above by the Van Meter monster's laser. This kicks off a daring car chase, as the remnants of Lenar Rouge's forces 
and other muscles sent by King Octopus have rallied to chase down our heroes. Also, if I'm not mistaken, playbook shift alert! Felicity, care to elaborate? God, I picked the worst time to become normal! Felicity's trauma from killing several people during the battle in Lanon Rouge's camp led to her closing herself off from her magic. Like mother, like daughter. What? Nothing. Being the mundane places Felicity in a lot of danger when King O's shifter henchmen make their way into the trailer, where she and Ray are all alone. Ray experiences a sudden transformation, becoming the Guardian, a spirit of blue ghostly fire intent on keeping Felicity safe. Panicked, Felicity tries to heal the Guardian in the midst of the fight, but accidentally banishes them. And just like that, Ray, the Guardian, is gone. The rest of the car chase is no less harrowing. With Whitaker at the wheel, Raven and Aiden battle it out against a hit squad of shifters atop the roof of the trailer as they speed down the highway. Hugo befriends a snipe, which lets him ride along for part of the conflict, and Damien frees the Van Meter creature from the control of the Puppet Master, a powerful witch who had been part of Lenon Rouge's haunting operations. But Damien also uses his own demonic manipulation on her. Oh no. Oh no? Does that do what I think it does, Natalie? Oh no. The car chase ends with our heroes speeding away as a dazed puppet master slows her forces to a stop. And they are then devoured and torn apart by the horde of Leviathan demon spawn, which immediately appear to attack the person marked by Damien's magic. Holy shit. Later that night, as the hunters drive to put distance between them and King O's contacts, a familiar figure is walking by the side of the road. Ray? Oh, hey Felicity. Who are your friends? Uh, could I get a ride maybe? What the fuck is going on? Through a pair of enchanted glasses, a gift from Theo Springer, Whitaker decides to get a look at the truth of Ray's nature, and he sees attached to her form the ghost of a nine-tailed fox. What? what? Jesus Christ. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Natalie, what the heck? Later that night. Nope. Uh-uh. You take a break from narrating for a while. Oh, come on. This is... Brittany, go. We'll hold her back. Later that night, the hunters learn that Inari's spirit has been bonded to Ray, who might be a ghost themselves. Neither one can tell our hunters why they keep appearing in their path, and Ray doesn't seem to remember moments when Inari's spirit takes control. Nope. No thanks. Enough with the creepy ghost talk. Next part, please. Okay. The next strange person to cross paths with our hunters was a 12-foot-tall, alligator-scaled creature covered in spikes and horns. Who's that Midwest cryptid? It's the Hodag. Hey, how the heck are you folks? Hodag is the embodiment of Midwest nice and invites everyone to stay with him to rest and recuperate. You wouldn't expect such a big spiky guy to be such a sweetheart, but you should never judge a cryptid by their claws. Plus, I couldn't possibly let you keep her moving till I gave your vehicle a once over there, fella. Yous are looking like you just drove out of a war zone. Where are you coming from, Chicago? Thank you, Hodag, and thank you for putting us up on such short notice. Wait for it. This guy is awesome. Wait for it. I love the Hodag. Wait for it. But then. There it is. As the hunters take a moment to catch their breath, they are caught off guard by a surprise ambush of Eastie agents, led by none other than Olivia's brother, Elias Eastie. He and his strike team move in to subdue the hunters and capture Damien. I was wondering why we hadn't heard from Prithi in a while. Agent Devon has been put on administrative leave. Surrender, Whitaker. 
and you can save yourself and your team from a worse fate. Sorry, mate. Fate of the world and all that. Plus, I've been itching for a chance to kick an Easty vampire's ass. I was hoping for your sister, but I'll make do. Whitaker's team and the agents clash. Nearly every matchup seems to favor the agency strike team and capitalize on weaknesses the radio ghost could have supplied to Olivia way back in season one. All that is, except for Hugo, who overpowers his opponent and joins Whitaker in defending Damien from Elias. Raven surprises the agents sent to capture her and Felicity by merging with Windy and manifesting their jackalope armor and spirit bow. Aiden sows some seeds of doubt in the agents sent to detain her and wins her fight with some unexpectedly underhanded strategy. When the hunters regroup, Elias is trapped and restrained, his strike force defeated. The hunters beat a hasty retreat from Hodag's home, knowing that now the agency is actively hunting them. Tell them to get in line. We've already got demon lords and a crime boss after us. I don't think that's how it works, Damien. I think things just got a whole lot worse for us. Well, at least we stole that guy's cool sword. That's a win, right? Ugh, come on, Damien. Not now, Damien. Sheesh, you guys are looking rough. Hey, I've got an idea that'll cheer you right up. Now let me just check a map. No, Damien, Aiden is driving. <laughs> Aiden is asleep. I've got this. What? Everyone relax. It's time for a beach episode. Damien brings the group to Milwaukee for an actual day of rest and retail therapy. He runs into Ellie Hicks, an old friend of his who owns a food truck. And we learn that Damien's life before joining the group wasn't all grand larceny and petty thievery. The gang gets some comfort food, enjoys the beach, and manages to decompress a bit. And nothing bad happens at all. I had a nightmare about another sibling of mine, Beelzebub. Wow, sleeping sounds terrible. Whitaker also confirms with some magic help from Hugo that Prithee is under house arrest. Guys, I said nothing bad happens. You are killing the vibe. So I found us another case. Someone on my forum is talking about a missing person in their town, and it might be tied to a county fair? You're all impossible to cheer up. Someone else narrate. I got this. The hunters travel to Pecatonica for the Winnebago County Fair. Raven learns through her online contact that a young student has recently gone missing, and this seems to be the case every year the fair comes to town. Ray gets a job working with Ellie in her food truck for the event, but everyone splits into teams at the fair to search for clues. All right, gang, let's split up and search for clues. Jeepers. Jinkies. I call dibs on playing games and talking to carnies. Have none of you played D&D? Splitting the party never goes well. Come on, Hugo. I want to eat a ton of fried food and ride a bunch of roller coasters. Uh, that's definitely not going to end well. Guys, we were doing a bit. Oh, right. Zoinks, I guess. Efforts at the fair are mixed. ruh -roh. Our hunters discover a strange house of monsters run by a frogman. Several of the carnies turn out to be folk, and Raven meets her online friend, who turns out is just a local teen. Hey, I'm Piper Maxwell. My friends call me Max. So your username, um, actually? Nice to meet you. I'm Raven. <gasps> You're the architect of the grimoire! Oh my gosh. Okay, get it together, Pipes. Do not make this weird. It's gonna get weird. Don't worry, we're used to it. With Max's help, the group are able to figure out that the missing girl was being bullied, and Damien discovers a dumpster with a lot of demonic energy attached to it. I am in my element. After regrouping to come up with a plan, the hunters so-so day of detective work, 
takes a turn for the worse that evening when a monstrous trash construct starts to terrorize the fairgrounds. A string of bad luck puts Damien in critical condition and no one else is faring much better. Plus Felicity. Playbook shift alert. I'm magic again, but not in a good way. Felicity's power returns, but now she's wielding elemental forces, not just messing with physics. I feel like I've seen this before. You have. Remember those visions about a village being destroyed? Oh yeah, that memory or something. Or something. Luckily for the hunters, they get some help from the local crew of monster hunters, led by none other than Miss Piper Maxwell herself. Now how does a 16-year-old in the middle of nowhere get on Beelzebub's grudge list anyway? You suppose it might have something to do with those enchanted weapons and glowing tattoos, Hugo? Uh, why? The trash construct is defeated, but it's a sloppy job by all meanings of the word. Damien loses his protection amulet within the construct's vast pocket dimension, which means the troubles with Beelzebub are just getting started. The hunters follow Piper back to her grandfather's farm, where she and her friends explain how they came to acquire whispered tattoos and magical weapons from an antique chest. Piper's dagger connects her to the Morrigan, a powerful spirit whom Biel sees as their nemesis. We can't just leave these kids to fight a war of attrition with one of the demon lords. It's time for a training montage, isn't it? While you all handle that, I'm gonna get my trauma sorted out with Mira. I think you're doing great, Felicity. Well, I guess so. It doesn't feel like I am. I feel like I'm losing control. I don't wanna keep screwing up and hurting people. Making mistakes is just part of life, Felicity. But I believe in you. I think you're extraordinary. Thanks. Hey, Felicity? Oh, hi, Ray. You're back? What happened to the food truck job? Inari's spirit bonded to Ray means that she can't go far from Felicity and the hunter group. Whatever force is causing Ray to embody the Guardian seems to remain strongly in effect. And that means, like it or not, the hunter's hitchhiking friend is still along for the ride. Training with the teens at the Maxwell farm is interrupted by another demon attack. This one rapidly adapts to the hunter's abilities and strategies almost instantly. It takes a few tries, but eventually it's destroyed. Despite how adept Piper and her friends already seem to be at monster hunting, they won't last long if Bielsa's attacks continue like this. Already down an amulet, the hunters decide to give some of theirs away in order to protect Piper's group and shift Beelzebub's attention onto themselves instead. At least things can't get much worse. So, uh, Dr. Kabe just yelled at me for giving him an incomplete memory. I guess I've lost more than the ones I've been trained in. Hugo, are you fucking serious right now? Returning to life on the road again, the hunters spend several weeks running, fighting Beelzebub's demon spawn, resting when they can, and running again. Hugo's tattoos progress, expanding his power set. Whitaker gets in contact with Bert Sayre and Lincoln Allstaff, one of Elias Eastie's agents. They agree to keep the agency off the hunters for as long as they can, but they can't delay the strike team forever. Aiden's powers continue to falter and diminish, but she at least manages to keep Raven safe. Felicity explores a more defensive role on the team, while Damien continues to revel in his new status as a demon lord. For reasons unclear to Damien, tensions amongst the party hit an all-time high. After a particularly bad demon attack, which damages the truck, the group is forced to stop for the night in West Virginia. In the middle of everyone arguing, Ruby takes off, chasing something into the woods. Felicity, Whitaker, and Aiden rush off to catch Ruby, but get split up, 
and Aiden doesn't make it back to camp right away. Raven and Whitaker head back out to find her and discover an unconscious Aiden lashed to a tree by strange vines. They all return to camp, and before anything else bad can happen, everyone but Damien goes to sleep. <coughs> I don't feel so good. Aiden? Oh my god! Aiden is overtaken by demonic corruption and transforms into a horrific tree monster. The hunters try their best to restrain her, but are knocked away and hit with spores, which cause them to hallucinate some of their most recent and pressing fears. Wait, you're just telling the listeners what actually happened? Well, yeah, it's a recap episode. They just want the facts. The fact is that you scared the shit out of us with nightmare sequences, which we didn't know were nightmares. I thought I killed Aiden. I didn't know it was a nightmare until right before we got out of them. I had anxiety for days. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. We need to take a second and respect the high-level game running Natalie pulled off in this arc. It was genius to have us silence our audio on the Zoom call or the individual scenes, making us watch on mute, unable to intervene while we desperately attempted to read lips and facial expressions. It convinced us not to tell each other what we experienced between sessions, reveling in unintentional secrecy, pure gold. Just more proof that Natalie is a master of her craft. Thanks, Aday. Oh no, don't thank me. I'm with them. It was horrifying. But credit where credit is due. Game recognizes game. So, should I continue? Yeah, it's my turn. While the humans struggle to free themselves from the nightmares, the source of all this trouble arrives from the woods. The terrifying plant creature that begins to attack the hunter's defensive barrier is none other than the Flatwoods monster. Damien squares up to fight, demon to demon, but the Guardian arrives just in time to stop him. It turns out the Flatwoods isn't a demon, but another celestial suffering the same corruption as Aiden. And if she and Damien fight, it would break the truce and cause an apocalypse. Plus, if she kills me and takes the spark, that would also cause the apocalypse. And if she captured Felicity, that might also trigger an apocalypse. Okay then, let's go three for three on preventing the apocalypse. Hat trick! You are a strange demon lord, Mr. Edgecrest. Says the humanoid will-o'-wisp mix guardian. While Damien and the Guardian work together outside the barrier, Felicity summons Mira, who helps her break out of the nightmare spores. Together, they use big magic to try and remove the demonic corruption from Aiden. Felicity winds up traveling into Aiden's subconscious, where she experiences several idealized versions of her angelic friend, each based on interactions the two of them have had. But she isn't alone. Hi, Felicity. I'm glad we finally get to meet. Uh... Yeah! Who are you? I'm Ashling. Come on, let's save Aiden together. Felicity and Ashling make their way through the mirage-like memories until they start to become less idealized and more tragic in nature. Felicity watches Aiden and her wife Freya fighting against the giants, then Aiden enacting horrific, biblical levels of revenge on the village of the Tuatha Dedanan for their betrayal and murder of her daughter Ashling. And Felicity finally understands the whole truth of her connection to Aiden. So now you know. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I was scared you might hate me for not being able to save you. Aiden, I could never hate you. I remember how hard you tried to protect me. I remember. You're my mom. Can I get some help kicking this corruption BL's infected me with? Let's do this. 
Felicity returns to the real world, as do the rest of the hunters, as they break free from the nightmare spores. Aiden breaks out of the monstrous form that had overtaken her, back to her celestial self with her powers fully restored. The hunters emerge from the barrier and take over for Damien and the Guardian in bringing down the Flatwoods creature. Aiden and Damien purge Beelzebub's corruption from the other celestial, and Ariel, the Angel of Plants, has a brief moment with Aiden before the cosmic statutes of the truce swiftly return her to paradise. The hunters reconcile over the arguments from earlier, and everyone agrees to stop keeping secrets from one another. It's not so much that we were keeping secrets, we just didn't want to add on to anyone's stress. This trip has been hell, for lack of a better term. Yeah, we were just trying to protect each other. It's been really hard lately. I'm sorry I've been such a jerk. I'm going to work on it, I promise. If we're coming clean on everything, I just want to say I'm really proud of you all. Sorry we've had to push so hard. Also, I'm 28 years old. Bloody vampires, am I right? And I'm Ashling. I mean, Felicity. Aiden was my mom in a past life. And so was the ghost from Agent Ross's sword? Wow, I've got three moms. Hey, Raven, um, I almost died. And I like you a lot. Could I kiss you? Mm-hmm. I'd really like that. Finally. Finally. Jeez. Took you long enough. Four moms. Aww. With Aiden back to normal, the Guardian's mission was over, and the Kitsune spirit separated from Rey. Suspicions that Rey might be a ghost themselves were confirmed as their body fell to the ground, lifeless. The hunters band together, not willing to accept the loss of their friend, and the spirit of the Earth herself manifests and brings Rey back. Thanks, Mom. Mom? Mother Nature's my grandma? It doesn't quite work like that, but sure. Everyone was so relieved to have Rey safely back, but the Kitsune spirit, Inari, also stuck around, bonding with Felicity spirit friend Ghosty in order to become an entirely new spirit. Seeing two spirits who had watched over her for so long merge to become a new being gave Felicity a lot to think about as the memories and personality of Ashling began to settle in her own mind. With the truck repaired, the hunters drop Ray off so they can get back in touch with the food truck folks and try to make the best of their second chance at life. Our heroes then press eastward once again, but begin to run out of continent to traverse as they head into Washington, D.C. Aiden recalled an old friend of hers lived in the area and that they might be able to help the group shake Beelzebub's focus off them. While waiting to meet Aiden's contact at a metro station, the hunters are on the scene when a train arrives. But every person on board has been violently murdered. A new demon spawn, Schnellergeist, steps off the train and demands the group surrender the spark. I was designed and sent here to destroy you, Herr Edgecrest. Uh, I'm sorry, do you speak Demon Lord? I didn't catch that. My lapdog is a little rusty. How are you quipping right now? This thing is terrifying. What's the play, Whitaker? Fuck this guy, let's kick his ass. While doing their best to prevent civilian casualties, the hunters engage in their first very public monster fight. With so many lives on the line, there's no time for subtlety. 
This Schnellergeist, or Snallygaster demon, is a real piece of work. The combined effort of four demon lords puts the hunters through their paces. After a few rounds going blow for blow, it doesn't look good for our heroes. But when a cherubim from Paradise arrives, ready to side with the hunters, the Snallygaster retreats into the metro tunnel system. The reinforcements from Paradise turn out to be a bit of celestial bluffing, courtesy of Aiden's friend. Everyone, allow me to introduce master illusionist and dreamwalking expert, Coraline Descart. Hey, you've probably heard of me. I'm the Moth Girl. Oh my god, I love her. Moth Girl says trans rights. Trans Moth Girl. Incredible. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, she seems cool. Is anyone else getting a weird vibe between her and Aiden, though? Or... Moth Girl helps the hunters slip away from the very conspicuous crime scene, and they retreat to a magically secured mansion. Besides enjoying the soft light aesthetic, the hunters meet Coraline's roommates, two giant simping praying mantis brothers, and her personal assistant, Adrian Lucas. Speaking of roommates, Aiden, how do you know Coraline anyway? Aiden and I used to date, but she's a goody two-shoes and I'm a complex cryptid with a penchant for environmental philanthropy and millionaire grand larceny. Ooh, grand larceny. I like her. Awkward dinner conversations aside, the team also learns over dinner that Coraline can teach the group to dreamwalk, an avenue of attack that Aiden thinks the demon lords won't expect. They agree to rest for the night and begin training tomorrow. Unable to go anywhere else, what with the EC agency on high alert and Snallygaster still in the wind, the hunters settle down for a simple evening. But we also meet the Chesapeake Bay Sea Serpent, Coraline's third roommate, lives in a pool. Chessie's very sweet. Oh, and also my friend Rian is here. The priest from The Whispered. He's honestly more of a sorcerer. Apparently he needed someone to help cover the cost of making new amulets for us, and he and Coraline are close. Elaborate on that. No. Speaking of amulets, I need to borrow a couple. I'm taking Raven back to Autumn Falls for the night. We'd like some time to ourselves. I'm leaving too, but I might be gone longer than tonight. What? What? Felicity has been struggling with her magic. And now on top of that, she's got to reconcile the memories from her past life and integrate Ashling's personality into her own. Trying to process all of that while in constant deadly peril is not only unhealthy, it's impossible. With some encouragement from Mira, Felicity decides to take some time away from the group to figure herself out. Gonna miss you, kid. But at least you'll be safe once you put some distance between yourself and the rest of us. Where are you going again? The Volkhavens. So like, the Feyron, basically. Bloody hell. Good luck, kiddo. Bye, everyone. Keep your recruits in line, Agent. The remaining hunters begin their dreamwalking training the next day. The ones who can sleep, anyway. Coraline teaches the hunters several important lessons about how to maintain control of your identity while dreamwalking, and how to manipulate someone else's mind and perception of reality. Aiden begins training with Damien so he can learn how to access the power of the spark. It's integrated with him so much at this point, he's not all that different from her anymore. Going on the offensive, the hunters lay a trap for Snallygaster and Biels, then get to work. Raven, Hugo, and Whitaker work with Coraline to trap Beelzebub's mind within a labyrinthine dreamscape. They capitalize on Beelzebub's obsessive rivalry with the Morrigan spirit to ensure the trap will last a while. Dream heist. Meanwhile, Aiden and Damien face off against Snallagaster in the real world. We see Aiden really cut loose for the first time since regaining her powers, and Damien's clever layering of spells allow the pair of them to destroy Snallagaster once and for all. 
Did you have to destroy my house in the process? If you're gonna make a demon spawn omelet, you gotta crack a few load-bearing structures. The important thing is, we got Beelzebub off our tail for now. We should try to figure out how to remove the spark from Damien and end this whole mess for good. With Coraline's house in ruins and her magical defenses not looking any better, Rianne suggests that the hunters relocate to another safe house location. He's created the same sort of wards and protections that were guarding Coraline's property at one other place nearby, the Hard Rock Cafe Resort and Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey. The hunters learn that the Hard Rock is also home to a secret supernatural club called the Cracks. Similar to the moment or the deep end, this place serves as a social hotspot for supernatural persons looking to enjoy the resort and nightlife of Atlantic City and is run by none other than the Jersey Devil himself. My dudes, it's good to meet you. Name's Craig, Craig Cox. Hold up, Devil? Rian, this guy is another demon spawn like Damien. Hey, relax, my guy, it ain't like that. I cut ties with Asmodeus decades ago. I've been living my life and liking that just fine ever since. And Damien, I got you, bro. Yous can stay here as long as you like. Holy shit. A rebel who knows how to party? He's just like me. Not to be that guy, but did anybody else notice that Craig's party crew includes a bunch of vampires? Damien and Craig hit it off right away, but the rest of the hunters remain on guard and put some distance between themselves and the inner heart of the club. Whitaker, Hugo, and Rianne get dinner, and after questions are raised, Rianne helps them discover that Hugo has folk runes placed on him, and they happened well before he got his whisper tattoos. But this contradicts Hugo's own memory of only discovering the supernatural world after being inducted into the whispered. It seems very likely that these runes might be tied to the incomplete memories Hugo traded to Dr. Kabe. Rianne leaves for New York to gather spell ingredients, and Hugo and Whitaker return to the hotel. That night, the group contacts Kabe in order to ask if he knows anyone capable of removing the spark from Damien. In typical cryptic fashion, Kabe suggests that one of Aiden's memories might hold the answer. Aiden allows the group to glimpse memories of hers from the Celestial War, and they realize that the only beings to ever remove a Celestial Spark are the Demon Lords. During the war, they killed other Celestials in order to consume their Sparks and accumulate more power. So, if we remove the Spark from Damien, it'll kill him? Oof, what a party! Hey everyone, what I miss? Craig and I had such an amazing night! Oh, and uh, don't worry, he knows about the Spark, but he's totally cool. Didn't even try to take it or anything. Son of a... Damien, you can't just go around telling people you have that thing. There's enough people after you as it is. Whoa, okay, Whitaker, jeez, I'm sorry. Everyone just get some rest. I need to make a phone call. Whitaker speaks to Agent Birdsare, who warns Whitaker that the agency is planning to move in on our heroes soon. Time is rapidly running out. The next morning... Casino security arrives and escorts the hunters to Craig's executive suite. The Jersey Devil is furious. One of his vampire friends was killed in the night, and security tapes show Whitaker is the culprit. It looks like Craig and Damien's friendship might sour, but Raven catches another vampire slip-up, and everyone realizes someone is trying to set the hunters up. Jersey Devil has a big hang-up about loyalty, so he kills the treacherous vampire and from his balcony, he spots more of his entourage suspiciously working on something down at the shoreline. Craig might have broken ties with Asmodeus, but it becomes rapidly clear that one of Craig's assistants still serves the Demon Lords. 
They complete a summoning spell on the beach, and a legion of demon spawn begin to rise from the sand and surf, and begin an assault on the barrier surrounding the casino. Well, we gotta get out of here. Come on, Damien. If we go now, we can probably get away before those things cut off our escape route. Uh, some of those demons can fly. I don't think we're escaping this. We don't all have to escape. Just Damien. Damien, you're not just gonna go with him, right? I... I think we should run. If they get this spark, it's all over, right? Running's what we're good at. I'm done running. Get out of here, Damien. We'll hold them off. Damien and Craig leave, while the four remaining hunters head to the hotel entrance and prepare to fight the Demon Spawn Horde. Whitaker, Hugo, Raven, and Aiden against hundreds of demons, with more rising from the sea every moment. However this goes, it's been a pleasure knowing you all. We all have to die someday. No one's dying today. Not on my watch. Whatever happens, I'll see you on the other side. Let's go. The hunters engage the demon spawn as the barrier around the Hard Rock Resort fails. The demon spawn begin attacking civilians, but at least at first, our four heroes manage to hold back the horde and allow Damien to leave. Things don't stay under control for long, and in classic fashion, the heroes have become too separated to back each other up. This is why we don't split the party. Help! Help. A laser strikes from the sky, and Damien appears, riding on the back of the Van Meter monster. I couldn't do it, guys. I like Craig, but you're my family. If the other demon lords want this spark, they better stop sending small fries like this after us. Damien and Van Meter shift the fight in the hunter's favor, and briefly, it looks like the demon spawn might scatter. That's when Leviathan sends her strongest, Krom Kruik, a massive oily black sea serpent whose jagged maw leads to a lifeless void. No! Raven, look out! Raven and Aiden are swallowed by the deadly sea monster. Other large demons emerge from the water as well and begin to gang up on the other hunters. Hugo pushes his tattoos to their limit, but is still overwhelmed. The whispered magic burns through his life energy trying to keep him alive, but fails. Damien watches Hugo fall and Whitaker being overwhelmed by other demons. But before he can react, something digs into his form and tears the spark out in one sudden motion. Sorry, Damien. If you're gonna choose them over me, I'm choosing me over you. Uh, oh, fuck, that's... Uh. Whitaker watches in horror as the Jersey Devil kills Damien and begins to lay waste to the demon spawn after absorbing the spark. The demons Whitaker is fighting press in, and one sends him sprawling into a sand dune where his vision blurs to black. Within the void of Krom Kruik, Aiden and Raven float through emptiness together, with only the light of their magic cutting through the darkness. Raven's life energy is quickly snuffed out within this demi-plane of cold, deadly nothingness, and Aiden's light starts to dim as well, only a fading glimmer in a vast sea of darkness. But this is not how the story ends. Aiden gifts Raven a portion of her own spark, and the two of them vanish from the void in a bright golden flash. Hugo hears a voice speaking to him about a deal he struck long ago, claiming that since the terms are fulfilled, the second chance he had asked for starts now. He feels a rush of cold and leaves the warm embrace of whatever afterlife he was approaching. 
Back on the beach, the Jersey Devil is impaled by a massive sword as agents Ross and Spiegel arrive, followed by a mustering of Eastie Agency forces, ready to engage the demon spawn and put down this supernatural incursion. Elias Eastie and his strike team arrive just in time to rescue Whitaker and reinstate him as a senior agent. Putting differences aside, they agree to fight together. Hugo rises from the sand, the folk runes glowing brightly beneath his whispered tattoos, a wintry frost quickly melting from his clothes and hair. In a golden flash, Aiden and Raven reappear on the beach, Raven bonding with Windy and donning their jackalope armor. But alongside our favorite autumnal lesbians are Lark Eugenia and his partner, the ancient forest dragon, Jarendrakir Nuitharis, who summon a battle legion of folk to enter the fight as well. Plus, Rianne, Coraline, and Chessie arrive via Lake Creature Portal. We've got a classic endgame scenario on our hands. In the fight that follows, lit by the rising sun and the ever-glowing neon lights of Atlantic City, our heroes and the gathered forces of the Agency and the Folk Wardens disrupt the summoning spell and dispatch the Demon Spawn Horde. With an attack and battle of this scale in such a public place, the Agency's ability to conceal the existence of the supernatural is fully compromised, and Director Eastie is forced to prepare a public statement on the existence of magic and supernatural beings. As the dust of the battle settles, the hunters reel with knowing the world will be forever changed by events they were at the center of. Damn, I, I can't believe it's over. <sighs> no more running. I get to sleep. What are we supposed to do now? I don't think either of us can go back to waiting tables in Autumn Falls. But whatever we end up doing, I want to do it with you. Of course. And thanks for saving us back there. I, I couldn't let you go. I love you. I love you too. Um, guys, not to interrupt, but something's very wrong. Damien? You're alive! Yeah, I think I'm human. Help. Oh, buddy. We're glad to have you back. Damien's miraculous return lifts everyone's spirits. They all share a victory hug while getting patched up by the agency's medical staff. Ros and Spiegel assure the hunters that the demon lords couldn't obtain the spark from the Jersey Devil when he was killed, thanks to new runes inscribed onto Ross's sword that fully destroy a demon spawn's essence. Whitaker bargains with Olivia Eastie for a full pardon for his team, and demands the agency hire Aiden, Raven, and Damien as full-time agents, in recognition of their efforts to protect the world. I've grown accustomed to not being a solo act anymore. Be nice to keep working as a team. When Whitaker eventually returns to Portland, he reconnects with Prithee to thank them for their help and apologize for getting them involved in the first place. Their reunion is interrupted when Whitaker gets a phone call. Agent Whitaker, we are aware you have suspicions regarding Director Eastie. What would you say if I told you there's more work you could be doing for the agency besides field missions? Uh, I'm sorry, who is this? I work for the Department of Internal Affairs. Hugo is introduced to a young folk woman who arrives shortly after the battle. Jaren Drakir announces her as... Her Royal Highness and Lady of the Summer Court, Princess Anya. Hugo, it's so good to see you again, my love. Uh, I'm sorry, should I know you? Anya explains that she and Hugo had once been engaged, but because of her parents' disapproval, she had been tricked and trapped within the Royal Folk Haven of Sovenwild. Her sister, Princess Bridget of the Winter Court, made a folk pact with Hugo that, through clever wording, would break Anya free of her confinement if Hugo were to 
die. To this end, Bridget used the magic within Hugo's memories and love for Anya in order to craft and place revival runes on him, then made sure to set him on the path towards becoming a member of the Whispered. The clever Winter Princess hoped that a dangerous life as a monster hunter would give him a better chance at eventually being reunited with Anya. Unsure of how to feel, Hugo asked the Summer Princess for time and some space to process all of this, to which she graciously agreed. Damien slowly adjusts to his new human form and moves in with Whitaker once again. Except this time he gets his own room, and not just one of Whitaker's mugs on a counter. He actually enrolls in the Eastie Agency's basic training program in order to figure out how living life confined to a single physical form is going to work. This, this is going to be weird. Raven has a lot to explain to her brother and the rest of her family, but she does return to Autumn Falls. She asks Aiden to move into the cozy apartment space above her parents' bookstore, and they go about settling in together and beginning their new careers as Eastie agents. What do you think? Do you like it? You don't have to move in right away. I know you have your own place. I just... It's perfect. And, and they, they were, were roommates. roommates! Felicity, her new spirit companion, and Ruby traverse the various folk havens with Mira. Eventually, they make their way to the folk capital itself. Welcome to Sovereignweald, Felicity Starnbrook. Wow, I think I'm going to like it here. News reports and talk about the event that comes to be known as the Revelation spreads across the world like unchecked wildfire. In the two years immediately following the Battle of Atlantic City, the existence of supernatural beings and magical phenomena slowly become integrated into human society. But even as the world adapts to this new paradigm, many dangers still loom large in this rapidly changing world. King Octopus's criminal pursuits, Olivia Eastie's dubious leadership of the Eastie Agency, the many scattered chapters of the Whispered still operating as monster hunters, and whatever new nefarious plots the Demon Lords are devising in the place apart. But to find out how our heroes handle these and other problems, you'll have to tune in to our new episodes and the start of Season 3. You made it this far with us, and that's a good sign already. So, if you're ready for even more supernatural slice of life, queer friendships and romance, and charismatic cryptids, we hope you'll join us for more of the Storyteller Squad. Let's have an adventure.